Hello and welcome to the Go Away Podcast. I am Locke. And I am Smith. And we'll get straight into the articles of today. So the first... One of the squads to this one is particularly stupid. I've heard about this previously as well. Yes, so this is from the Telegraph. Knives are too sharp and filing them down a solution to storing violent crime, says a judge in the UK. So a judge has proposed a nationwide program to file down the points of kitchen knives as a solution to the country's soaring knife crime epidemic. Last week in his valedictory address, retiring Luton Crown Court Judge Nick Madge spoke of his concern that carrying a knife had become routine in some circles and called on the government to ban the sale of large pointed kitchen knives. So I, I want to say, so as, as you know, we are, we are libertarians and we are pro-legalization drugs. And I would like to know and have some of the drugs that the, U, that the English government is on when it comes to making these policies. Like, that would be one hell of a trip. I, I, honestly, what, what's going through the head? If you okay, so you do the people do they understand the whole like you know blunt weapons actually hurt more and are more damaging like outside of anything else a blunt they will people actually blunt their weapons first because it hurts more and actually fucks stuff up more because a clean cut's much easier to heal like if you stab if you stab them with a blunt weapon it will actually like fuck them up right so yeah and just just the fact that like. That's their solution. They immediately go to banning, ban, ban, ban. That's the that's immediately what they go to, rather than trying to you know get the root cause, whether it's also, whether it's and, mental and, health, and, whether and, it's immigration. And also, I don't I don't want to say it, a ban would actually make much far more sense here than uh, the than this because first of all, how are you going to enforce this? People have sharpeners. We're going to ban right, and, sharpeners, and they they banned large pointed. Uh, well, sorry, they didn't ban them yet, but they called on the government to ban the sale of large-pointed kitchen knives. So that's that's not attacking the root cause. That's like... So, by the way, I've heard there's a new method of cutting steak. It's called the Paleolithic method. It's where you rip it apart with your teeth. Yeah, with rocks. With rocks. I mean, what? Uh, how is it going to stop anything? Do you, you, nowhere else is going to ban knives. So, therefore, you can... In England, you can just go to France... Get a copper knife or something that doesn't show up in 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 te- checking, and bring it over. Right. It'll take four seconds to go around this van. It's absolutely stupid. And again, it it's is. one of the situations where people where you'll have a, a, a pop- segment of the population will have weaponry, which are the people who are bad people, and then anyone who's a good person who turns their knives in or decides not to sharpen it because they want to follow the law will get fucked as usual. Right and. We move on to the next article, which is from Fox News. So the latest, voting ends in Slovenian general election. This sounds boring, but it actually is more interesting than it sounds. And uh, I do know that this is from a week ago, but we were uh, on, a, on a short hiatus. So uh, the latest in a parliamentary election in Slovenia uh, has, uh, has ended. So polls have closed in the Slovenian parliamentary election that is expected to produce no clear winner amid strong gains by the right-wing opposition party. Some 1.7 million... Uh, Million voters in the European Union nation of two million were choosing Sunday from a vast array of parties, but only several are slated to make it over the four percent threshold to be represented in Slovenia's ninety-member parliament. The anti-immigrant Slovenian Democratic Party of former Prime Minister—I'm not even going to try that name—Janez Janez Janza, yeah, him—was leading the polls going into the election. Trailing behind him were the anti-establishment list of Marian Sarek, the Social Democrats, and the Modern Center Party of outgoing Prime Minister Miro Sarar. 
So surveys have predicted that Yance's party won't secure enough of the vote enough to rule on his own. So post-election negotiations to form a new government are likely after Sunday. So that was that was 7 p.m. when the when the polls were closing. But a- afterwards, we uh, we could see we could determine that the Slovenian Democratic Party, which is again the right-wing populist anti-immigrant party, you know, similar to UKIP or something like that, was the party that that won. So they will be forming the government. Um. So I don't know a lot of their policies, although I have found the right wing policies tend to, in the far right in Europe that isn't fascist tend to actually agree with us more than the, anyone else. Right, uh, and so the Slovenian Democratic Party is currently in negotiations with the other anti-establishment party that I mentioned, List of Marian Serec. I, I don't know how to pronounce that, but. Uh, they are trying to form a sort of anti-establishment government, sort of like what happened in Italy, where the League formed a government with the Five Star Movement, which are both anti-establishment parties, anti-EU which, parties. What's so it, odd? What's odd is the fact that they're actually now the establishment. Yeah, <laughs> uh, and you know, it's it's very telling that people actually hate the EU, people hate mass immigration, and they're voting against it in large numbers across the EU. So we've seen it what, in Italy, as I just mentioned. I think we're seeing the collapse of the European experiment currently. Yes, and I hope we are. So we've seen it in Italy. We've seen it now in Slovenia. We've seen it in Hungary, Poland. I can go on and on. And these anti-immigrant, anti-EU parties, or they're anti-immigration rather than anti-immigrant. Uh, these parties are gaining a ton. Because the simple fact is that people don't... I'm actually pro-legal immigration being easier. Right, so am I. But, but people are fed up with unfettered mass immigration with, uh, you know, with... Especially with the refugee crisis happening at that time. And the fact that many of these immigrants are actually coming in and causing spikes in crime and causing issues. And you can't say anything against them because that's Islamophobic or it's racist or whatever. Yeah, exactly. And people are also tired of this supranational body, the EU, ruling over them, you know, regulating the hell out of them, basically controlling their lives because of all these regulations. You know, for example, 60% of, yeah, 60% of the UK's laws are made by the EU by unelected officials, by the European Commission, which are unelected officials. No See, one elects this the them. Issue with the, this is the issue with the EU. They are completely undemocratic. Exactly. And the, exactly. And the EU parliament is basically just a sham. It doesn't do anything. Well, I'm sure Hitler would shed a tear at, his, at, his success, at the success of the Germans in conquering all of Europe eventually. Yeah, I mean, the Germans just can't get their hands off of Europe. They're just obsessed with controlling people. And the French, you know, the French just submit. Yeah. I, I don't even know how I feel about it. The European situation is so absolutely appalling right now. It is. And uh, now we move on to more populist victories. So Doug Ford, ex-Toronto mayor's brother to be Ontario premier. So Doug Ford, the brother of troubled uh, former Toronto mayor Rob Ford, has been elected premier of Canada's most populous province. May I just uh, butt in there? Rob Ford was uh, was the mayor of Toronto, and he got busted, um, I think, dealing and also smoking crack, like, several times. And he was, like, this giant, overweight man, and uh, and, and, you know, he... He smoked crack all the time, was busted for doing that. And in, in one interview, someone, um, someone said, someone accused him of saying that he wanted to eat someone else's pussy. And he said, I'm a married man. I have enough at home. <laughs> I've got to say, I like this man. 
Yeah, well, unfortunately, Rob Ford, the man that I was talking about, died, but his brother is now the premier. I wonder of... how he died between being overweight and being a crackhead. Yeah, I wonder. Um, but anyway, so his brother, Doug Ford, has now been elected premier of Ontario, which is Canada's uh, most populous province. So Mr. Ford's center-right progressive conservatives, which I think is an oxymoron. I don't know why they named their party that, but whatever. They wrested um, control of Ontario from the Liberal Party for the first well, time since 2003. I think it's a whole psychological thing. I've, I've been thinking about this recently. I've got a theory, which is that you always have to be pro. People don't like voting for against. So you can't be like anti-abortion or anti, you know, what's it called? What's it called? Like, that's why it's like pro-choice versus pro-life. Right, yeah. You or can't be anti borders or for immigrants. It's never anti immigrants or anti, it's always for something. Right. Um, but anyway, so the populist Doug Ford has been compared to US President Donald Trump. So, a former city councilor, he was close to his late brother Rob, who inf- infamously took drugs in office, as I mentioned. So, the conservatives took 41% of the vote, winning 76 of 124 seats in the province, according to local media. So that's pretty amazing, and the liberals who are the uh, who are the uh, cancer the incumbent well, yes, but they were the incumbent party. They only won seven seats. They went down from I believe like fifty to seven. I think we're seeing a, so. I think I think you you do see. I think I I believe that you see a lot of change around the turn of the century. I think we're seeing this here too. People get tired of the old order of things, right? And we have had a very stagnant political system for decades. At this point, and I think this new generation is done with it, including us. Yeah. Uh, and so I'll just give you a quick run through of the election. So the conservatives led by Doug Ford went from 27 to 76 seats. So that's an increase of 49. The NDP, which is like uh, the left wing populist party, went from 18 to 40. So that's an increase of 22. Then the liberals, who are like the neoliberal establishment, went from 50, 55 to 7, which is a decrease of 48 seats. So you see the two populist parties, the right-wing populist and the left-wing populist, increasing exponentially, and then you have the centrist, neoliberal, globalist establishment losing by 48 And seats. I would never understand why people hate populists so much. Populists do say stupid shit quite often, but the thing is that populists, by default, are what people want. That's why they're called populism. Yeah, they, they advocate for the people, and then you've got people like the establishment. Who I don't under—I for one don't understand why people support neoliberal or neoconservative establishment parties. I'll never understand that. But, uh, but anyway, I don't think we should go full in on the establishment because I do think that makes it sound a little bit like nutcases. Yeah, it is. It is a bit of a nutcase Alex Jones thing to be like, "Oh, the establishment, new world order, that kind of thing." We we we're not like that. Oh, we're, we're trying to, you know, rationally criticize the establishment as well as rationally criticize populists who, as Smith just mentioned, tend to say stupid things a lot of the time. Yes. Uh, anyway, we move on to back to the U.S. Uh, in a narrow decision, Supreme Court sides with Baker who turned away a gay couple. So the Supreme Court on Monday ruled in favor of a Colorado baker who had refused to create a wedding cake for a gay couple. The court's decision was narrow, and it left open the larger question of whether a business can discriminate against gay men and lesbians based on rights protected by the First Amendment. The court passed on an opportunity to either bolster the right to same-sex marriage or explain how far the government can go in regulating businesses run, by, run on religious principles. Instead, ju- uh, instead, Justice Anthony Kennedy's majority opinion turned on the argument that the Colorado Civil Rights Commission, which originally ruled against the baker, had been shown to be hostile to, re- uh, to religion because of the remarks of one of its members. So at the same time, Justice Kennedy strongly reaffirmed protections for gay rights. I I would say I am I am very pro gay. I'm very pro people having the right 
But I'm also very I, – I do not think the government should regulate who a business serves. I don't think they should regulate how a business conducts itself. Exactly, so, and that is completely my opinion as well. So, yes, while I do believe that gay people should be allowed to be served anywhere, I don't agree that business should be forced to serve anyone. Yeah, and – yeah, the thing is if, if this guy is running his business on you know religious uh, teachings or whatever uh, and this gay couple can't get served there – there are probably dozens, at least a dozen other businesses in the area. I mean, they're in, I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure, like Denver, I think, or it's a city in Colorado. They can go somewhere else. They can have tons of different options where they will certainly serve gay couples. I mean, it just take their business elsewhere. Yeah, the interesting thing is also the free market will decide this eventually. If, uh, exactly. Because if somebody, so even if, I think we should completely deregulate the, the market for people doing this. So I think that people right. should be able to serve whoever they want on whatever criteria. The thing is that a large – so say Walmart decides they want to stop, stop, stop serving black people, which I'm not saying is a good thing, but I'm saying if they decide to do this, th- then immediately pretty much there's going to be a mass boycott and they're going to get fucked economically. Exactly. That's the thing because we're in the age of the internet. We're in the age of mass media. We're in the age of people who actually give a shit about what ra- other races and cultures. People are forced by – even if you were to say legally you can discriminate – on who you serve, not like through what's it called, not like in the government, but as business, you can choose who you can serve based on race or religion or whatever. It wouldn't work because, simply put, the pe- people would just pretty much be like fuck off. Exactly, and you know we're in the, we're in the age of witch hunts, mass witch hunts on social media or whatever. So, and we'll get actually get onto this later in the in the podcast about Chick Fil A. But yes, as he was saying, as Smith was saying, any business that actually is trying to maliciously discriminate against someone will immediately be knocked out of the free marketplace. So I think that personally, while I do disagree with discrimination in that manner, I don't think it's the government's place to be involved in it. Right. That's my position exactly. And that's why I agree with this Supreme Court decision. So now we move on to something funny. Um, Well, sort of funny and sort of scary at the same time. But so Ayatollah Khamenei from uh, Iran said that Israel is a cancerous tumor that, quote, must be eradicated. So Iran's supreme leader says destruction of Jewish state is, quote, possible and will happen. uh, Slams, quote, traitorous countries for not defending Palestinians. So the Iranian supreme leader Ayatollah Ali Khamenei on Sunday lashed out at Israel calling the Jewish state, again, the, quote, cancerous tumor of the region that must be, quote, removed and eradicated. I personally think Iran's that, but of course that's probably a very unpopular opinion. Um, yeah, same. Um, I would say that, you know, first of all, Israel, ha- just, first of all, I love Netanyahu's response to that, which is pretty much that Iran's a fuck up who can't make their who, his own people hates it. Yeah, and, and he sent, or sorry, not, not, uh, not Netanyahu, but uh, the Iranian embassy, or sorry, the Israeli embassy, uh, tweeted out a gif for I think it was from like Mean Girls. Or yeah, something. why are you so obsessed with us? Yeah, exactly. It was really funny. But so, what it comes down for for two for me here is the fact that you know, first of all, I want to remind you all that Islam is a religion of peace. Yeah. Okay. And I want to to to, to explain in a you know in a multicultural sense what the, what the the Ayatollah truly meant. We will peacefully eradicate. The, the cancer tumor that we peacefully hate and it should be peacefully done, right? I mean, yeah, I mean, and this cancerous tumor, I mean, it's even, it, it's a, it's an Islamophobic cancerous tumor. It's even worse. Yeah, it's an Islamophobic cancer tumor that happens to actually have it, Muslims in its government. Yes. 
high position. They, if, if all of you who are listening um, should go and want, look up um, what's it called? UN, where are you, Algeria, where are your Jews? Yeah, yeah, that's from UN Watch, uh, Hillel Neuer. Yeah, that, that's yeah. a really good video. Um, yeah, and check out all of UN Watch's videos because they they do a really good job of standing up for Israel against all the Muslim-dominated countries in the, in you know, the Human Rights Council that's now run by the Saudis, I think. Or no, that's the Women's Rights Council is run by the Saudis. The Women's Rights yeah. Council is run by the Saudis. Yeah, exactly. Um, so yeah, the, the UN is a joke, basically, but... You know, the Saudis are always there to stand for women's rights. They are. They are indeed. Um, so, uh, so Khomeini said, our stance against Israel is the same stance we have always taken. Israel is a malignant cancerous tumor in the West Asian region that has to be removed and eradicated. It is possible and it will happen. So he also took to Twitter to warn, quote, traitorous countries that refuse to confront Israel militarily in order to appease the U.S., saying that, quote, resistance is the only way to save Palestine from oppression. I, he, I don't understand. So I don't understand what oppression. I understand that recently there has been oppression, but I don't understand how people can ignore the history of Israel offering again and again a state to Palestinians. And even when it Palestinians live in Israel, they are willing to deal with them and keep them as citizens. And then they pretty much try to blow them up with Hamas is the Palestinian response to the kindness shown by the Israeli government. Right. And then and, th- this is this is just pure gold what Khomeini said next. He has previously branded Israel as quote barbaric, infanticidal, and the sinister, unclean rabid dog of the of the region. Is that not what Hamas is? Hamas is actually infanticidal. They they basically use their own children as human shields against the Israelis, and they also brag about wanting to go into Israel and kill Israeli children, kill Jewish children. But see, it's Islam, so it's religion and peace. Exactly. So it's not barbaric. I mean, it's actually racist to call them barbaric, isn't it? Yes, of course. So we move on to the next article, uh, which is about, again, Iran. Uh, This is about the Obama administration uh, and Iran. Uh, Give me a second. Sorry. So the Obama administration secretly sought to give Iran access to the U.S. financial system. This is from CNBC. Why? So, the, the Obama administration secretly sought to give Iran access, albeit briefly, to the U.S. financial system by sidestepping sanctions kept in place after the 2015 nuclear deal, despite repeatedly telling Congress and the public it had no plans to do so. An investigation by Senate Republicans released Wednesday shed light on the delicate balance the Obama administration sought to cite sought to strike after the deal, as it worked to ensure Iran received its promised benefits without playing into the hands of the deal's opponents. Amid a tense political climate, Iran hawks in the U.S., Israel, and elsewhere argued that the United States was giving far too much to Tehran and that the windfall would be used to fund terrorism and other troubling Iranian activity, which it would. Uh, And, you know, Iranian-backed terrorists uh, have been increasing uh, in numbers, you know, Hamas, Hezbollah, those kind of things. And by the way, I, I, might I take a, a contrary position that, you know, Republicans are always saying, oh, Iran is the number one state-sponsored or state sponsor of terror. Actually, Saudi Arabia is, and Saudi Arabia is in bed far. with us. Yeah, Saudi Arabia is in bed with us. So, I mean, we're not immune at all because Saudi Arabia is actually the number one state sponsor of terror. And they... If you look up, if you look at them, they built, they used the um, money to build mosques of Wahhabism. They used... Used, yeah, in Germany, in the EU. They used oil money to pretty much build up a terrorist movement across Europe and across the world. 
Exactly. So we are in no way immune as the U.S., but uh, and is and Iran is in no way immune. Uh, I mean, of course, they are also a state sponsor of terror, but I would not say as bad as Saudi Arabia is. So we have to take we have to strike a balance here. But of course, this is this is. I mean, it's. I'm very shocked that. I mean, even the Obama administration almost let the let Iran use our financial system. So yeah, I'm to, not shocked, honestly. Uh, well, yeah, t- totally. Uh, you know, totally balanced. Uh, you know, uh, we're taking a hard stance against Iran, whatever. Um, so we move on now to crazy Bernie Sanders uh, from Deadline. Uh, Bernie Sanders rails against Disney quote greed at Anaheim Workers Rally. This is actually like right. This is twenty minutes away from where I am right now. I am I'm currently in vacation in California. Um, so yeah, this is pretty close to me. Anaheim is pretty close. So Vermont Senator Bernie Sanders revisited one of the core themes of his 2016 presidential run during a rally for workers, excoriating the Walt Disney Company for showering money on CEO Bob Iger while, short, while shortchanging Disneyland workers. Sanders told the crowd in an Anaheim church on Saturday, I want to hear the moral defense of a company that makes $9 billion in profits, $400 million for the CEOs, and have a 30-year worker going hungry. Tell me how that is right. Because the re- saying how that's right, because that that company was started by somebody who, who took no profit, who put the work in and took the risk in order to establish it. And it ran by people who worked their entire lives and educated themselves to go into high demand, the low demand, high supply jobs that, ver- that are very competitive. Well, yeah, and then work they now are low paid are in the exact opposite position of taking the safe route. Yeah. So, would you rather be unemployed or be employed at Disneyland, where you actually do get a good salary? I mean, compared to what Bernie Sanders is is saying it is. But um, but if you if you take the nine billion dollars in profits and then you take everyone that wants to be a Disneyland employee, which is actually a lot, I mean, you're not going to be able to pay to pay everyone you know enough to build a mansion, are you? Well, that's basic economics. Is therefore anti-poor. Yeah. Exactly. Um, so the rally was attended by hundreds of Disneyland workers who are helping a collection of unions across many industries gather signatures for a municipal ballot initiative. If it makes the ballot in November, the measure would require large companies taking subsidies from the city of Anaheim to pay workers at least $15 an hour. That is not good. Government price fixing never works. That's just basic economics. That's actually what causes such huge food shortages in, in communist countries is it, price fixing. Yeah. So we move on to the next article, which I think uh, you'll get a kick out of, Smith. So Miss America is scrapping its swimsuit competition and will no longer judge based on physical appearance. Why don't you take Um, this? See, I think that what we should do is now all everyone, I think that should be a requirement for entry to Miss America that you must be at least 400 pounds with blue hair and piercings. Because mm-hmm. I think having any sort of conventional beauty is actually sexist on a on a grand level. Now, this is, in actuality, this is retarded. Why on why on earth is it, are you unable to have a contest with some aspect of beauty? It's like, is this? Are you so caught up in your jealousy that you do not have a good body that you are unable to allow other people to have that? Yeah, I think this is just. Uh, insecurity from, you know, the radical feminists, uh, you know, putting pressure onto the Miss America competition. So Miss America is scrapping its swimsuit competition and will no longer judge contestants based on physical appearance. Isn't that the whole point of the 
goddamn thing. It's the whole point of the competition to judge on physical appearance, but whatever. The organization announced this on uh, last Tuesday. We so are no from longer- now on, we will no longer rank pe- the richest people in the world by their actual wealth. Yep. We'll rank them by how they identify. If they identify as the richest person in the world, that's where they rank. Right. Quote, we are no longer a pageant, Gretchen Carlson, the first former Miss America to be named chair of the board of trustees of the Miss America organization, said on GMA. We are a competition. Uh, I mean, well, what's the... What's the competition if there's no like swimsuit portion or whatever? Isn't that the whole? I, I don't understand. Who can scream the loudest about how, about patriarchy? Is actually I've heard that the new one. Oh yeah, probably. I mean, yeah. So they will now take part in live interactive sessions with judges, according to. What are these live interactive sessions? <laughs> can I be a judge here? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I, I'd like some live interactive sessions. As long as, uh, unfortunately, now there's no swimsuit contest. Yeah, but I mean, um, you might, you maybe, might. Maybe still... there'll be no swimsuits. Maybe we'll just be like, you know, straight, just naked women, which I think would be an upgrade, actually. But personally, I'm not going to comment. I would tune in for that. I'm, I'm not going to comment. <laughs> uh, I know you agree. Anyway, patriarchal asshole. Uh, anyway, uh, back back to politics. So the CFPB effectively dissolves the Consumer Advisory Board. So this is something that uh, the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau is one of these overarching government bodies that our senator Elizabeth Warren uh, instated. She was the, the the mastermind behind the CFPB. So Mick Mulvaney, who's the budget director, I think. Uh, took yet another swipe at his consumer watchdog bureau, all but terminating an entire board of advocates who advised the agency about fair lending in undeserved commu- underserved communities. Good. Good. It's good that he terminated it. So the, the 25 members of the Consumer Advisory Board, who I assume are all millionaires or billionaires, established by law as part of the Consumer, consumer Financial Protection Bureau, were told on a conference call Wednesday that the board would no longer meet again until new members were appointed. Yeah, good. I mean- I don't know not enough of what they do, so. Yeah, yeah, I, I will admit that I don't know that much about what they do. I just know that they're that they get up into people's business too much, as every government uh, wing does. But yeah. I do think that it's I do think that it's good that you can probably cut the fat anywhere in in in, uh, in government, and that'll be beneficial. Yeah, honestly, I'm I'm done with government intervention in the economy. I don't think it ever did anything well. Yes, history has shown that it does absolutely no good at all. So now we move on to, again, something uh, to do with the financial system. This is from Reason. Uh, Social Security will be insolvent in 16 years. Maybe Congress should do something about it. Medicare will run dry even sooner. Do you trust anyone in Washington to solve this problem? Well, Social I mean, Security... Social Security is actually a policy scheme. Yeah. <laughs> Social Security... Structured, if you actually look at the... If you go to the IRS... Um, definition of a, of a Ponzi scheme, and you compare it, you cross-analyze it with Social Security, they are almost identical. Right. Social Security will be insolvent by 2034, three years earlier than previously expected, and one major fund within Medicare will run dry by 2026, according to a report released Tuesday by the trustees of the two programs. Huh. Now, personally, I think there should be programs like Social Security on a private basis. Right, I think it should be like, an. I think it should be an opt-in rather than you're automatically in it because you're a citizen. Right, like I don't like if I don't want to pay for social security, I don't want to get paid out by it. It's the why? Why should I have to? Exactly, and 
So Reason says, let's review. Social Security is a $900 billion program that provides income to 67 million Americans. About 47 million of them are over age 65, and the majority of the rest are disabled. If you're within 15 to 20 years of that threshold, you might be not... Well, I'm disabled. Can I get that? <laughs> you might not be relying on that income yet, but you're likely to be depending on it in your future financial plan if you have one. Medicare provides health benefits to about 57 million older Americans, more than twice as many people as had their health insurance disrupted by Obamacare. And you remember how big of a deal that rightly was. So uh, Actually, they also Speaking st- of, I've had this argument recently. I don't understand why you should ever involve yourself in what health, care is, health insurance is required to provide. Like, mm-hmm. because it's like you're, it's like mandating what car somebody drives. Okay, you want to drive the road. Well, we found this $100,000 car is the safest drive, but I can't afford that. Fuck you. You're buying a $100,000 car. That's all we're allowing in the market anymore. It's like in like Virginia, you're required to have like postpartum care, like post-birth care in all health care. Yep. Including for men. <laughs> that makes sense. Um, anyway, so a reason continues to state that it is important to remember that insolvency is not the same thing as bankruptcy. By 2026 and 2034, respectively, Medicare and Social Security will not have enough money to pay the full cost of their obligations, but that's not the same thing as saying they'll have no money at all. Yeah, that's still really bad. Yes, we still need to be make sure we're not being fear mongers. Yes. So it, it's not the end of the world, but it's not going to be a bad thing. I mean, it's not going to be a good thing, rather. It's going to be quite bad. So um, anyway, so... To be fair, maybe it will lead to its collapse and that lead to less government involvement. Hopefully. Um... So, the biggest primary night of 2018 yet offers clues and questions that have midterms. This is from ABC News, and this is referring to uh, last Tuesday's primaries. Uh, so, these were in, I believe, Montana, South Dakota, Iowa, New Jersey, Alabama, Mississippi, New Mexico, and the biggest one, of course, California, where I am now. Uh, so, some, some 85 congressional districts, five governorships, and five U.S. Senate seats are up the cycle in the eight states that held primaries Tuesday in what was arguably the most consequential night of the 2018 election cycle thus far. Several, uh, several high-profile races in California have still not been projected by the Associated Press, and both parties may have to wait days to see which candidates advance to November in several U.S. House districts expected to be competitive in November. Of course, that you know th- those were already sorted out, but uh, those aren't important as important because those are just the House districts. So Senator Dianne Feinstein easily advanced to the fall in the U.S. Senate primary in California. But I wonder what religion she is. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, just, just ease up on that, please. <laughs> uh, I'm Jewish. I'm about to say this shit. Yeah, I know. I know. It's just people will, will, will get angry at us. Um, and her general election opponent uh, is going to be California State Senator Kevin De Leon, who mounted a challenge to, fine, uh, to Feinstein from the left. A bird uh, which committed suicide by being headfirst in my window. <laughs> uh, what? Yeah, like a bird just flew directly into my window. Head first. Okay. This is this, is this is the kind of news I, that we cover on this podcast. Yes, this is very important news. This is obviously because the government has been um, putting yeah the government's regulating the air the re- the government's regulating the air too much so the uh, the it's bird had not no only during the frogs gate making birds crash into windows exactly it's the chemtrails. Right. So uh, let me continue. California's Lieutenant Governor Gavin Newsom also advanced to November in the crowded race to be the next governor of the Golden State. The AP projected the race shortly after midnight Eastern time, blah, blah, blah. Uh, He also took veiled shots at President Trump and the policies of of his administration. 
Newsom called California, quote, a state where we don't criminalize diversity. We celebrate diversity. We don't obstruct justice. We demand justice. Well, it's sort of rich coming from you, Newsom, that you, you're saying you don't obstruct. You're obstructing Trump's policies when it comes to immigration. Um, just, just thought I'd point that out. Uh, I, I'm, I'm not going to take... Find a Democrat does it. Right, exactly. I mean, I'm not going to take a position on whether the federal government... I, I'm not too sure on whether the federal government should, should be uh, involved in the states uh, when it comes to immigration. It's, I, don't, I, I don't think... I think, I think actually it's something where the federal government should be involved, personally. Yeah, yeah I, I, that's where I would lean. Because it is, it is sort of a national security issue. Uh, also, because there's free movement through states. So if you're able to get citizenship within one state, right, then you can move to any state you want. So that would mean you could have a that would mean you have a system where people could go into one state that's easier and then move to what state they want. Right. So, uh, yes. Yeah, so that, that that's that is the position that we both take. Uh, so Newsom's opponent in the general election will be Republican John Cox, who has the endorsement of President Trump, but the uphill task of winning statewide I office. Say, I feel bad for anyone with the last name Cox. I'm sorry. Uh, just to be fair, it's with an X, not a CKS, so we can say it. Um, but he has the uphill task of winning statewide office in the increasingly blue California. So I'm actually surprised that a Republican advanced the general election, but it is good. Um, and, and people, a lot of people here, like you would be surprised at how many people are Republicans out here because, so where I am is in Orange County, which is probably the most conservative county in California. And basically all you see like uh, yard signs for Republicans all over the place. You see like Trump bumper stickers all over the place. You see NRA bumper stickers all over the place. Um, which, By the way, which I don't is, why the NRA gets so much shit because the NRA is actually the oldest civil rights organization. Yeah, and they're actually really popular. When like, uh, I mean, I'm not going to get too anecdotal here, but um, I'm 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 down the street from my uncle's house right here, and he has a whole arsenal full of guns, which is pretty cool. Um, and I'm gonna, I'm probably going to go out shooting with him this week, which will be awesome. You murder children. Yep. Uh, that's exactly. Actually, please, please don't take that out of context. Anyone who's watching, I'm. I, when I go shooting, I mean, I'm going to shoot at targets. I'm not going to shoot at people. It's targets. That's that's what shooting practice is. All right, calm down. Uh, anyway, the race oh, also encountered. That's why you have a collection of trash coats. <laughs> oh God. Okay. The race also encountered some unexpected drama on Tuesday with the news that over a hundred thousand voters in Los Angeles County had their name left off rosters at various polling stations, much to the frustration of Democratic gubernatorial candidate Antonio Villaraigosa, the former mayor of Los Angeles, who called on the Secretary of State to keep voting booths through Friday. So they can't, they can't, blame, they can't blame racism on this because every, every part of local government in California is controlled by Democrats. And according to their own logic, Democrats can't be racist. So they can't use the racism argument when it's like, oh, people, Latinos are being left off voter rolls. Well, you can't use that argument because it's run by Democrats, and by your own standards, Democrats can't be racist. I think that, and I think personally that people sometimes just don't want to vote when both options are retarded. Yeah, this is the free market society and government as well. If both options are shit, people just won't buy. Right. Um. And so there are actually some surprising Republican waves. Um. Uh, in in California, there were su- some surprising Republican, uh, you know, holds and victories. L- like uh, Republicans got second place in a lot of in a lot of uh, primaries that had Democratic incumbents. So that'll mean a Democratic incumbent will be facing off against a Republican, where they would normally just be Democrat versus Democrat in a general election. Because California elections work very strangely, 
uh, instead of having a Democratic primary and a Republican primary, you have one primary where all candidates are in it. So you could have two Democrats go to the general, one Democrat, one Republican, or one Republican and another Republican. Or you could have uh, like a Democrat and an independent or a Democrat and a Green Party candidate, which is what we've seen in some of these primaries. And um, what but, this leads to is a one-party state. Yeah, exactly. So it's it's a really retarded way to to uh, select candidates. Um, and, and that actually... There should, sc- there should obviously not be a primary system in the first place. Yeah, I mean, it just screws over um, third parties. CCP, if you look at CCP Gray, it explains, um, in Rules for Rulership, it explains how... Well, it explains the past and how the... Um, the way the government structure has led to we into entrenched power holding on to that position. Right. Wait, so I'm curious uh, about what you were saying, Smith. What What would you, like, I'm not trying to challenge you here. I'm just, like, asking, what would you put in place of primaries? Because, um, like, I, I agree with primaries. I just think that they shouldn't be, like, the California kind. I disagree personally with have, I think that the, the elections, I don't, I don't even agree with forcing internal votes from the party. I think, people, I think that if you run for president, it should be much more basis of everyone runs. I think we need to split up parties a lot more. I think we need. I think we need. Um, what's it called? The system where, God, instant runoff voting. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I actually and, do agree. And I think we need to have a system where we don't have primaries. We don't have the system which forces you to into a smaller, smaller box of who you can vote for. You don't do a system where people have to say either register as Democratic, Republican, or Independent, so you can only see that version like you literally everyone gets a ballot that's exactly the same thing it says all the candidates that are running and that whether that's online or and you rank them and you rank who you want and that's how it's run yeah yeah and that's actually how elections work uh in ireland like they'll have multi-member constituencies and multiple people from the party will run but it's not like they're running against each other. They're just trying to run to get into a certain place. So like you'll have four members in a constituency. So you just have to get into one first, second, or third, or fourth place. Or you'll it's, only have three. Because the issue with the current system of government in America, right, is the fact that the reason we have two parties which are entrenched is because in a first-past-the-post voting system, the more rivals you have, the easier it is to get elected. Because mm-hmm. it splits up your opposition. So yeah, exactly. They have to fo- they have to fo- they have to conglomerate into the least bad voter blocks. People forget the Democratic and Republican parties. The reason they always go for the extremes is because those are the most consistent voters. That they are actually not a singular party. The Republican Party is made up from conservatives of all creeds. You have the relig- you have religious nuts. You have people like me, me and them, um, and Locke who would probably vote Republican because you're close to that because of the right. economics. Yeah. Yeah, and, so just and, we're like libertarian-leaning Republicans who would just vote because they're better stewards of the economy. Yeah, so this is the issue, and you have the situation where even though I disagree with like 75% of what Republicans say, I disagree with 90% of what Democrats say, and I'm stuck in a situation where I don't really like either of them, but because of first past the post, everyone's stuck in a situation where it's like, yes, but if we split up the party, then guess what? The Democrats are going to win every single time. So that's yeah. why instant runoff voting and you, and lack of primaries and also not funding specific parties governmentally or funding all parties governmentally. Don't just fund one with a specific percentage of the vote because that fundamentally hinders parties that are smaller. Yeah, and also the whole the whole debate nonsense, like with the, uh, the is it the Commission on Presidential Debates that has it now? They're basically just bought off by the Democratic and Republican parties, so they won't include 
third-party options. But then the problem is if they do include third-party options, then say, for instance, we want a Republican to win. If there's like a Green Party person, or sorry, a, a Libertarian Party person, they'll ta- they'll peel away votes from the Republican, and then we could end up with a far-left Democrat. So, um, I mean, there, and, and, there are issues. It, I mean, every single facet of the first-past-the-post voting system is an issue. And, 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 this, and this is the thing. So I am actually, um, which is actually rather popular, I am for electoral college systems in the current first-past-the-post. Because I think it allows representation of, uh, of the middle of the country, which often would, which we pretty much, if there wasn't uh, enough for the, for the electoral college system, if there wasn't that, then people, then people in the middle of the country would be fucked. Because all you have to do is go to California, New York, and first of all, Democrats win every single time. Right. She population. To go to, you would only have to go to the populous areas on the coast. You wouldn't have to ever have to go to worry about the middle of the country. Yeah, and I actually wonder when was the last election that the Republicans actually won the popular vote? Like, uh, I mean, presidential. Because Republicans win the popular vote with like Senate elections or House elections all the time because a lot of Democrats just don't care about voting. Um, but I, I would wonder when was the last time a Republican, I think it was actually uh, probably W's w second run in 2004, is probably when the Republicans won the majority of the vote just because John Kerry was an awful candidate and also, so- you know, you know, Bush this is why we need this ranked voting system because yeah, and we also need more exposure for. Now, obviously, not for government, but I do think it would be interesting. If there was some sort of, of of station that allowed equal news time to every party, so you could, like tune in. Yeah, uh, I, 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 I can't support that on principle, but I do agree no, that not, it would be not for the government, but like some sort of station that was run privately. That might actually be something we should start eventually if we get a big yeah. traction that will allow everyone. Of equal voice, like Democrats, Republicans, etc., so people can see their options. But the issue is that in the current system, everyone just says, "Well, I agree with Libertarians, or I agree with the Green Party, even though I hate them, but or I agree with anything. I just can't vote for them because if I vote for them, then my vote's wasted." And I get that. Yeah. I and, and it is wasted, basically. Yeah, but I get that, and that's okay. why our current system is is horrible. And the other, also, why the Democrats and Republicans are never going to remove it because it would fundamentally lower the power. Yeah. I mean, I would, I would like to see the basically the Democrats just die off in a hole somewhere because the, I mean, if if the neoliberal establishment continues to control them, they'll just run them into the ground. The only way that they'll actually succeed is if they get someone like Bernie Sanders controlling the party, well, well, where they'll just promise people free shit, and they'll end up winning just because they're promising people free shit. And I honestly um, prefer Bernie Sanders to Hillary because yeah. at least Bernie Sanders is what he says he is. Exactly. He's a um, nutcase, but he says he's a nutcase. Yeah, uh, it's pretty obvious when you hear him speak. Um, and but I would like to see a, a scenario when there's actually like a viable third party that actually can overtake the Democratic Party if it continues to run itself into the ground. But anyway, we, we've been on this uh, for too long, so we're going to move on to a Vox article. The outlook for a blue wave explained: the generic ballot is tightening, but Democrats are still narrowly favored. So Democratic optimism about the 2018 midterms reached a crescendo level this winter after improbable wins in special elections in Alabama and western Pennsylvania. Liberals or leftists began to predict a blue wave, a sweeping series of electoral victories comparable to the GOP's 2010 successes that would indicate the resistance, the resistance so brave. uh, It's like like, like, like a red wave, but more centrist and more pussified. Yeah, exactly. Uh, it, it would it would indicate the resistance and check Donald Trump's power. But now Trump's approval ratings are ticking up. 
the generic ballot polls are tightening and Senate races across the country are shaping up to be more competitive, much more competitive than Democrats had hoped in states like West Virginia and North Dakota and, Indi and Indiana. Even safer looking uh, Democratic senators like Bill Nelson in Florida and Sherrod Brown in Ohio are facing extremely well-funded opponents with solid statewide name recognition. The question for many liberals, <clears throat> leftists, then is, did the wave peak too soon only to dissipate in the face of a strengthening economy? So anyway, uh, this is what Trump tweeted. Um, do you want to read it out? Yeah, let me let me let me pull it up. On, I'll send. I'll just send it to you again. Oh yeah. By the way, personally, I've got to say, Trump's my personal pro rating for Trump has been going up recently too. Same with me, honestly. Um, let me find the quote. It's the tweet. Yeah, great night for the Republicans. Uh, congratulations to. Okay, let me let me ask you. Congratulations. Okay, great night for the Republicans. Congratulations to John Cox on a really big number in California. He could win. Even fake news CNN said that the Trump impact was really big. Big. Much bigger than, than they ever thought possible. So much for the big blue wave. It might be a big red wave. Working hard. That was a beautiful rendition. Thank you. So, yeah, the House Democrats polling advantage has narrowed. Um, so in the final week of 2017, uh, Democrats held a generic ballot polling advantage that averaged 13 points or more. Uh, now, the general trend has been in Republicans' favor, and Democrats only have an advantage of roughly five and a half points. By the way, I've got, I've, I will actually like to say I have – I recently Trump has actually been impressing me greatly with his successes. I, and I do think yeah. that there is something to be – there is some credence to be given to. Having somebody who is willing to push the button does kind of get people to listen because – and I, obviously I'm not for warfare, but I do understand where people are coming from where it's like the thing is with other candidates, they would never gotten this much done with Korea and with, with situations like this. Because the thing is, they were never been willing. They would never seemed un unhinged enough to actually do anything about it. That's Trump's greatest advantage, seeming unhinged, which I guess is kind of um, says a lot about our country currently. But right. that that is what has made him able to do things that other people haven't. And I'm honestly pretty happy with the fact that he's he's diffusing a lot of situations. And the funny thing, he's actually done more to earn a Nobel Peace Prize than the president who did last time, who carbon bond like four, like 12, eleven countries. Right, but I, I I don't think we should be too like uh, too dick sucking of Trump because I mean he does I'm say not, I'm, not, I'm not dick sucking Trump. I think no, no. he's a moron. Yeah, yeah, no. A, a state. I think he's a, as put eloquently Remy. He's a state so grab crotch. Yeah, but. Exactly. That is a pretty good description. Description. But I do think he's been doing pretty well, especially compared to how people react, think of him. Yes, I do agree. And I, I do like a lot of what Trump is doing. I, I just don't want people to think that we're like sycophants for Trump. And I know we're not. Um, but anyway, so yeah, the, the, the big picture is that the blue wave is probably not going to happen. My prediction is the Democrats will pick up like maybe, I don't know, 10 seats in the House. Um, maybe more, maybe less, give or take five, um, and that they'll lose one or two seats in the Senate because you've got really, really uh, unfavorable or really unpopular Senate incumbents like Joe Manchin in West Virginia, Heidi Heitkamp in, uh, in North Dakota, or um, you know other people like that in red states who are probably going to lose their seats, like Joe Donnelly in Indiana. They're probably going to lose their seats because... Oh, by the way, have you, you, you've heard about what's-his-face. Um, I think we should, we should mention the Virginia guy. Oh, uh, Don Blankenship? No, the neo-reactionary. Oh, didn't didn't we already talk about him? I don't know if we talked about him. Yeah, we did. 
We did? Okay. Yeah, we talked about him on the last episode. Or the one the the one before the last one. But anyway. I forgot that, sorry. Yeah, yeah, no, it's fine. Um we were just mentioning that the child molester guy in uh, in what in Virginia. Um but uh anyway, we'll move on to the next article from the Hill. So the GOP embraces single payer health care attack in California. Yes. Yes, I know. Republicans are seizing on Democratic demands for a single-payer healthcare system as an attack line in California, arguing that candidates back, uh, backing the issue spearheaded by Senator Bernie Sanders of Vermont are out of step with their districts. My opponent wants socialized medicine and government-run healthcare. Her representative Mimi Walters from California, uh, a GOP incumbent and top Democratic target, told the Hill, "The district does not support it." Walters represents one of seven GOP-held seats in California that Democratic presidential nominee Hillary Clinton won in 2016 that that Democrats are seeking to flip. If Republicans lose those seats, it could greatly increase the chances that the GOP loses the House majority. Republicans say that Democratic candidates might have done well running on Medicare for All in crowded primaries when they needed to move to the left. But they say the position will be a major drag in a general election decided by more centrist voters, which uh, now I am saying that, that these... That like the, the the district that I'm in right now, which is a uh, representative representative uh, by Daryl Issa, I think his name is, is is a much more centrist district. Like this Issa, the Issa guy is not a crazy right wing Republican. He's quite moderate. These districts are not going to be won by far left Democrats screaming Medicare for all, socialized healthcare. Yeah, one would hope not. Yeah, I hope, and I mean it's it's a, I think it's a good sign that the that the GOP is realizing that the Democrats are trying to uh, are trying to push this socialized medicine BS and are capitalizing capitalizing on it. I mean, I don't, honestly, I don't know what to say here, apart from the fact, from the fact that the Democrat ideals have been proven to not be economically viable for after time after time after time. If you look at any of the time the Democratic policies economically put in. The, the the economy has actually been worse permanently. Right. Um, so now we we're going. Sorry, we're doing a ton of uh, ton of stuff on California today. I think this is the last thing on California. But I just I just found this amusing. So um, <laughs> from the L.A. Times, radical plan to split California into three states earns spot on November ballot. <laughs> um, honestly, I think that would be a good thing. Yeah, I I mean I I can't really debate that i mean but also i would i really i i don't want the 52 states of america like can we just conglomerate like rhode island and connecticut into massachusetts then yeah we should annex those two but anyway california's 168 year run as a single entity hugging the continent's edge for hundreds of miles and sprawling east across mountains and desert could come to an end next year as a controversial plan to split the golden to split the golden state into three new jurisdictions qualified Tuesday for the November sixth ballot. If a majority of voters who cast ballots agree, a long and contentious process would begin for three separate states to take place of California to take the place of California, with one primarily centered around Los Angeles and the other two divvying up the counties to the north and the south. Completion of the radical plan, far from certain, given its many hurdles at judicial, state, and federal levels, would make history. It would be the first division of an existing U.S. state since the creation of West Virginia in 1863. Three states will get us better infrastructure, better education, and lower taxes, Tim Drake with the Silicon Valley venture capitalist who sponsored the ballot measure said in an email to the Times last summer when he formally submitted the proposal. States will be more accountable to us and can cooperate and compete for citizens. So anyway, th- this is going to uh, devolve California into Northern California, which will be you know like Sacramento, San Francisco, and all everything to the north of that. Then there'll be just California, which will be Los Angeles 
and the coast, uh, I mean like the, the central coast area, so Los Angeles, Monterey. Then Southern California will be Fresno, Bakerfield, uh, Riverside, San Diego, Orange County, where I am right now. Uh, that's going to be like the more conservative area. And then uh, Northern California and California will be the much more left-wing areas. And actually, that's a, that's a very good thing because... Especially yeah, right yeah, now, people are going to be represented better. Represented better. Also, it's a, it's a, currently California represents a powerful democratic bloc that shouldn't really be there. Yeah. It creates an unfair advantage. Yeah. And if you, if you had three different states all with their own, uh, you know, electoral votes in a presidential election, you could get more, more electoral votes for, for, because Southern California is actually really densely populated, but there are a ton of Republicans here. It's like a big uh, suburban sprawl with a ton of re Republicans that's really densely populated. So you could get a lot of, uh, a lot of votes for, uh, you know, a lot of electoral votes for a Republican. Then you uh, get, uh, uh, you know, you still have a really densely populated California and Northern California that would also give, you know, a proportional number of electoral votes to Democrats. So you'd have a much more proportional system, which is, I think we, we, we've hit on this a lot uh, with proportionality when it comes to, uh, you know, electoral systems. So uh, next we have this story about the commutation of Alice Johnson. Uh, this was uh, inspired by Kim Kardashian's visit to the White House. Uh, so this is from Axios. Scoop, Trump has commuted Alice Johnson's life sentence. So President Trump has signed a commutation for Alice Johnson, currently serving a life sentence for a nonviolent drug offense, according to a source with direct knowledge. The Washington Post first reported last night that he had uh, considered pardoning Johnson. Uh, the details. Johnson's cause was championed last week at the White House by Kim Kardashian. Uh, White House Senior Advisor Jared Kushner, who pushed for Johnson's pardon, had been in contact with Kardashian over the past several months on the issue. Per a source familiar, White House counsel Don McGain is skeptical of the merits. Is that of John McCain under a pseudonym? Yeah, yeah. I don't like what 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 name is that? Don McGain. Yeah, I think it could be. Uh, he's skeptical of the merits of pardoning Johnson. To the big picture, this is part of a broader effort led by Jared Kushner to highlight the issue of prison reform, particularly focused on nonviolent offenders, which is really good because. I don't think there should be any such thing as a, as a nonviolent drug crime. I don't think there should be such a thing as a nonviolent crime in general unless it's a financial crime. Yeah, I agree. So, yeah, like, and, and the, the, the details of Alice Johnson's, uh, you know, her, her crime, uh, I'm just reading this off of memory. Um, I believe it was because she was, like, running a cocaine ring, which I understand is, is, is pretty serious. But um, if you legalize all drugs, including cocaine, there would be no need for a cocaine ring. So that would defeat the purpose of her sentence. So I definitely agree with uh, commuting her sentence. And by the way, commutation just means that uh, her, she doesn't have to serve the rest of her sentence, but that, that doesn't mean she doesn't have a criminal record. That's different from a yeah. pardon. A pardon means that you, that you don't have a criminal record. It erases the criminal, the, the criminal charge. But yes, I, I do agree with this. I think it should be a pardon, actually, personally, but... Yeah, I agree. I do think it should be a pardon because it's stupid conviction. But uh, anyway, I think it's just hilarious that... Kim Kardashian was the one who who had to sponsor this or had to. I don't you know. have to. I don't want to agree with Kim Kardashian. Yeah, who does honestly? Why? So we move on to the next article, which is um, uh, another another good thing when it comes to another good move when it comes to drugs. This is from Canada. Eh? Uh, so Canada is moving closer to uh, the legalization of marijuana from BBC. A key legislative hurdle has been passed as Canada moves closer I mean, to legalizing. Right. There, why can't you smoke weed while doing it? Yeah, honestly, a key legislative hurdle has been passed. Uh, has been passed 
as Canada moves closer to legalizing recreational cannabis. Canadian senators passed the Cannabis Act by 56 votes to 30, with one abstention after studying the landmark legislation for six months. Prime Minister Justin Trudeau, who we all love, has committed to making marijuana legal by this summer. Canada will be at least, oh, sorry, well, Canada will be the first G7 nation to legalize recreational use of the drug. Medical use has been legal since 2001. What's I G7? By the way, I'm curious. Uh, G7, we, we will actually be getting onto the G7 later, but G7 is um, the economic block of nations that is us. Uh, so the US, Canada, France, Italy, the UK, and uh, Germany, and Japan. So, yeah, that's that's seven. Um, oh, we're so like wait, the, it's, like, it's like World War II electric boogaloo. Exactly, exactly. But we're all on the same team, apparently. And we will get onto this soon. Um, but anyway, this is, this is a great step for, for, uh, for Canada. And I'm ash- very ashamed to say that I agree with, ju- that I agree with Justin Trudeau. I, I'm not decided, but flip side, I'm now anti-legalization of marijuana. Yeah, just uh, because freaking Trudeau. Just because Trudeau agrees with it. Uh, we've got more about Trudeau here. Uh, <laughs> this is really interesting. He's now an official male feminist. Uh, from the Daily Beast, Justin Trudeau denies groping. I thought that was just called a eunuch. Uh, well, listen to this: Justin Trudeau denies groping female reporter at festival in two thousand. He's officially a real male feminist. He assaulted a female reporter. Um, I, I'm I'm surprised he denied it. I mean, it's like who who wouldn't deny that? Why is this always like? Why do all these people always say like, he denies it? Like, I think the real news is gonna be when somebody actually is like, "Yes, I did that." Yeah, it's, it's a bit of an odd wording. But Canadian Prime Minister Justin Trudeau has been forced to deny, a groping, to, to deny groping a young female reporter at a music festival in 2000 after a report about the alleged incident resurfaced online this week. The allegation was first published in an editorial in the Creston Valley Advance, a local newspaper in British Columbia in August 2000. Photos of the editorial were widely shared on social media this week and gained further attention after being published by Breitbart on Thursday. The editorial accuses Trudeau of, quote, inappropriately handling and groping the young reporter, then reportedly telling her, I'm sorry, if I had known you, uh, if I had known you were reporting for a national paper, I never would have been so forward. <laughs> In a statement issued Thursday, a spokesman for Trudeau said, um, I, I, like, I like the description of, of him inappropriately handling, but he's not just like a crate of goods. <laughs> oh god so in a statement issued thursday i said spokesman sorry i meant spokesperson uh for trudeau said he remembers being in question for the avalanche foundation but doesn't think he had any negative interactions there he doesn't think okay well i don't um, think it was negative interaction for him yeah <laughs> yeah uh i i don't doubt for a second that trudeau groped a woman because with these male feminists it's so common that they're sexual, serial sexual assaulters or, se- you know, sexual predators. No, that, that's actually, they're just helping women find their sexuality. and making. Oh, it that's true. That's true. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I, I said something so offensive. But yeah, seriously, like they're, they're internalizing an external struggle. Like this is something that, that uh, Dan Savage said about, about like really anti-gay people, that they're internalizing an external struggle when these anti-gay people are actually really gay inside. Um, uh, it's like the same thing, but with these it's male like feminists. <laughs> How? Well, you're like you're like really gay on the inside. I never said I was. A- I'm never. I'm not anti-gay. But it's fine. Just the gay bit. That was what I was saying. Oh, I, I I'm confused because I'm not. I'm not like anti-gay. Nor do I try to hide the fact that I'm quite effeminate compared to other men. But whatever. Um, I so, didn't want to call you gay. What was I saying? Yes. Yeah, so these these male feminists always end up being internalizing an external struggle where they where they they want to or they want to be like uh 
they, they want to basically rape women, uh, but they can't because uh, because they're passing themselves off as male feminists and allies and everything like this. They but really whatever. want to rape women. <laughs> yes. Uh, so we move on, and this this will uh, this might tickle your fancy. Uh, so the TSA, uh, your your favorite organization, Smith, uh, searches a ninety six year old woman on a, in a wheelchair in a viral video, sparking outrage. Well, I've heard those are the most common terrorists. Yeah. Well, I, I, obviously they also they also like groping children. Yep. So many are livid over a now viral video of the TSA officials patting down a 96-year-old woman in a wheelchair at Washington Dulles International Airport in a six-minute screening being described as, quote, totally disgusting and, quote, uncalled for on Facebook. On May 15th, Jeanne Labrere Clarkson shared the six-minute clip to the social network of her nonagenarian mother, Evelyn Labrere, being searched in her wheelchair by two female TSA security agents at the Virginia airport. Clarkson, Labrere, and Clarkson's fiancé were traveling home to Anderson, Virginia after visiting Clarkson's son in Maryland, CBS News reports. So, yeah, this is, like, I, I just don't understand. As the people on Facebook said, it's completely uncalled for. I don't really think the people on Facebook should be a common source that we use, but okay. Right. No, no, I'm, I'm not. I, I know. I'm just, I'm just saying the way that they put it was correct, that it is completely uncalled for. Um, but TSA yes. Is a, is a farce. Yes. And, and may I just point out, if this were a black woman, it would be racism. But since it's a white woman, uh, we only see it in Fox News. Just pointing out that media double standard. <laughs> I, I just seem to find it everywhere. Yep. Um, so th- this should also be quite interesting. Uh, from Fox News again. Violent skirmishes between Antifa and right-wing activists drawn national attention to Portland, Oregon. Uh, who would have thought that Antifa would be violent? And you know what's something that's interesting? Um, my uncle, uh, not not the not the cool libertarian one with the guns here in California, but the the uncool communist one uh, in back in Boston. Uh, he he says Antifa is infiltrated by the CIA, and that the ones who are being violent are CIA operatives. Yes, the like Alex Jones, commie edition. Repeat that. Sorry. I just sound like Alex Jones, communist edition. Exactly. Um, anyway, so Portland, Oregon, viral videos of bloody skirmishes between right-wing activists and self-described anti-fascists have drawn national attention to Portland, Oregon, a city storied, uh, sorry, a city of storied political activism that has struggled to keep the peace at dueling rallies, illustrating a microcosm of the nation's political division. Tensions erupted most recently this month when members of the so-called Antifa movement showed up at a march organized by a right-wing group called Patriot Prayer. By the way, Patriot Prayer is not, to my knowledge, uh, violent. They're just pro-gun. Um, How dare they be pro-gun? Yeah, exactly. How dare they? So as, poli- as police tried to keep order, fistfights broke out in a string of downtown parks fringed with aspen trees and dotted with plaques honoring Portland's founders and fallen World War II soldiers. Videos from the conflict on social media show one man being knocked to the ground and repeatedly, repeatedly kicked as he covers his head with his hands, and another a man lying on the ground is dragged away from a group of attackers, attackers his face bloodied. In a third, two men, including, including one wearing homemade body armor, take swings at a third man who's backed against a wall with his arms raised. I wonder who the aggressors were in all these, in all these instances. I wonder. Well, they, see, they, they like guns, so they're automatically the aggressors. Exactly. So this is also quite an interesting article from CNN. Syracuse University suspends 15 fraternity members over, quote, extremely racist video. 
Syracuse University has suspended 15 members of, of, a, of a professional fraternity, their lawyer said, after they appeared in videos that the school's chancellor has described as, quote, extremely racist and offensive. Were, were these videos actually extremely racist or offensive? Uh, I don't know, um, but I wouldn't really trust CNN to say they were. So the two videos published in April by the student's school newspaper show members of the Theta Tau engineering fraternity using racial slurs, simulating sexual acts, and mocking people with physical and intellectual disabilities. And they didn't provide any quotes from the video, nor did they provide the video, so I can't say if they were actually, quote, uneducated, racist, homophobic, misogynist, sexist, ableist, and intolerant. So, by the way, they are at Syracuse, so obviously, if they're uneducated, then whose fault is it? <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, yeah, I, I just think that most of these things, when, when uh, you know, there's, there's, a, there's a college fraternity or people on a college campus who get busted for these things, they're mostly probably just being ironic. Um, so I wouldn't take it seriously. And nor is it really the business of, uh, of you know, like the administration to be searching through students, you know, personal phones or whatever. Well, they, if they publish this. Yeah, yeah, if they publish it and, they, and they're saying, oh, we're from Syracuse, we're from this fraternity, then obviously, you know, the, the administration was, has to if, take a position. But if they were searching through their phones, that's an invasion of privacy. Yeah, and, and I don't think... I don't think I don't think it was reported whether uh, whether it was published or not, but um yeah I I'm I'm certainly willing to say if it was published then yes this is called for, but I the thing is I don't know if they're being ironic or not and I bet they were being ironic, but um anyway, uh so the end of net the end of net neutrality it's the end of the world. The end of net neutrality is here. I don't find it to be the end of the world honestly. I, I was joking. I know I agree it's it's. Again, a move towards the free market. Yeah. I mean, I don't think we have much to say here. It's just the uh, net neutrality has been repealed. The controversial repeal of Obama-era net neutrality protections is officially set to take effect on Monday, which was uh, two days ago, despite ongoing efforts from members of Congress, state officials, tech companies, and and advocacy groups to save the rules. The Republican-led Federal Communications Commission, FTC, voted along party lines in December to repeal the rules, blah, 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 and we all know about Ajit (laughs) Pai... Uh, the I will yeah, I do hate agreeing with him. Um, I mean, actually, I'm I'm pretty I'm pretty ambivalent when it comes to this net neutrality thing. I think both sides have sort of hyped it up too much. Um, I don't think it's the end of the world. I I don't know enough about the positives to say whether it'd be a good thing. Um, well, all I've heard are the negative arguments. That, that that people who are pro net neutrality, the issue is actually. Actually, it does, the good thing about it is that it does include transparency laws, which is why I'm for the repeal, is that they also want to put in transparency laws in combination with this. Right? Okay, well, that's good. Um, the funny thing is people who are anti it are, the, are consistent people who censor uh, people on the right, who people can set, who is with YouTube and Google and that sort of conglomerate area. Right. Have a bad speech. Have a bad history of being speech inhibitors. Exactly. So speaking of inhibiting speech, uh, so from Sky News in the UK, march against jailing of former EDL leader Tommy Robinson turns ugly. Police clash with protesters in the heart of London with steel fences and bottles thrown and five arrests made. So yeah, this is not a good. This is not good optics at all for our free speech movement. That like it, th- these guys that are fighting don't look good. Like the, they. They're like wearing MAGA hats. They all look like working class dudes um, that are that are fighting, like throwing fences at at police officers. It does not look good at all. This is awful optics, and optics do matter. 
for our movement, for the free speech movement. And I do not condone, I uh, in fact condemn uh, everything that has happened um, in, in the, you know, in the uh, the violent part of the uh, march for Tommy Robinson. So, Who's sorry. Who started the violence in this case? I, I believe I believe it was the Tommy Robinson people. They started attacking police, um, but I don't know. It, it's just the fact that it continues to go on and on, and that. Um, well, I'll, I'll go on to the article. So, violent scenes erupted as hundreds of demonstrators marched through London against the jailing of former far right leader Tommy Robinson. Again, I wouldn't, I wouldn't class him as far right. I'd just class him as solidly right, right solidly right wing. The march on Whitehall on Saturday was the latest following to Robinson's imprisonment for contempt of court last month. Steel fences and bottles were thrown at police who made five arrests. Yeah, so yeah, it, it was it was the protesters who started the violence against the police and arrests were made. So during the protests, thing. sorry, yeah, I originally thought the police had had, had had initiated. Yeah, so during the protest, there were scenes of violence which saw bottles, metal barriers, and other objects thrown at officers. Police said in a statement. Yeah, again, awful optics. I mean, if you're looking at these pictures, you you, you might look them up. I mean, it just doesn't look good at all. It's just like it, these people just look like idiots who are throwing like like some guys throwing a beer can at the police. These guys just look, look like hooligans. I mean, it's awful optics and like the police are trying to like push through the crowd. It's, it's bad. It's just bad. Yeah. Um, so uh, this is pretty, this is pretty interesting. I think it's pretty revealing about the left. So Bill Maher, who's our favorite guy, uh, this is from national review, Bill Maher, bring on the recession. If it will remove Trump. I actually like Bill Maher, but this is retarded. Yeah. Uh, comedian Bill Maher said on Friday's episode of his HBO show Real Time that he has no problem with the country sinking into an economic recession, recession if it is detrimental to President Trump. By the way, I'm hoping for it because one way you get rid of Trump is a crashing economy. So please, bring on the recession, Maher said. Sorry if that hurts people, but it's either root, out, root for a recession or you lose your democracy. I feel like the bottom has to follow it at some point. I don't um, understand how Trump has been anti-democracy at all. Yeah. And like they're like, oh my god, he's anti-media. People were anti-media before Trump, and he has every reason to be anti-media because they lie about. I mean, yes, there are a ton of stupid shit that he. There's a ton of stupid shit that he does, but I mean, they also lie about a ton of other stupid shit. Um, and they also lie about his supporters. They lie about his associates. I mean, again, who also do stupid shit, but I mean, there's also a ton of lies. So there's he has every reason to be anti-media, and the, and the media even before Trump had a giant anti-right wing bias. Yep. I think it's completely, I think it's completely reasonable and rational to call the to call the news media fake news. Mm. Because I mean, you, you've got CNN who who had um like there was like wasn't it like I think you talked about this before there was like there was like a shooting somewhere and it was like there was like a thirty dead in shooting yeah. and then at the bottom of the screen it was rolling like breaking Titanic sunk a hundred years ago, like that kind of thing. I don't I don't know how how else to describe it rather than just fake news. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I mean, this just shows that that I mean, I mean, Bill Maher and people on the left, they don't actually care about anything apart from you know their partisan, like just just being on, on a partisan side. Uh, so now we move on to the G seven, the G seven summit. So the absolute chaos of Donald Trump's G seven su- summit uh, and what it means moving forward. So with only hours remaining before the uh, before a historic summit between the leaders of the United States and North Korea, it's easy to lose sight of what President Donald Trump and some of his top staffers said and did just before arriving in Singapore. Blow up an international gathering with some of America's closest allies with a combination of erratic behavior and hugely impolitic statements. 
whatever happens in Singapore over the next day or two, uh, and we'll get onto that because it, it, uh, it already happened, it's uniquely possible and maybe even likely that what Trump did in Quebec on Friday and Saturday will matter more in the country's long-term geopolitical future and not in a good way. Let's detail what happened in the 36-ish hours Trump spent in Quebec and what he and his allies said once he left. Before Trump even jetted to the conference on Friday morning, he floated the possibility of Russia rejoining the G7, and Russia was kicked out of the group after invading Ukraine and annexing Crimea in 2014, so that's a stupid thing to say. But Trump arrived late for a gathering of G7 leaders focused on a gender diversity, uh, uh, like a, a gender diversity bre breakfast on Saturday morning, and they started the meeting without him, which I thought was actually savage. I, yeah. I agree. I agree with him arriving late. I think that was pretty funny because you got all like the photo ops of him walking into this breakfast late while someone's this woman's giving a speech about the patriarchy, which I thought was pretty great. Um, I, why do we need a fucking gender diversity lunch? Yeah, it's it was fucking stupid. Um, Trump held a um, wide ranging news conference, and I hate I hate the tone that, that like this guy Chris Saliza. Uh, I, I, I hate the tone that he uses. Uh, I mean, that like all these like millennial you know reporters and politicos use journos um so he held a wide-ranging news conference before he left quebec to jet to singapore in that presser he described the meeting as a 10 out of 10 and insisted that he had a very close personal relationship with among others canadian prime minister justin trudeau our uh, you know our best friend french president the woke centrist emmanuel macron and german uh, german chancellor angela merkel the iron the iron lady of uh, of, of germany uh, after she called that huh she actually called the iron lady uh, yeah, I think they call her the Iron Chancellor. Doesn't that just sound a little bit Nazi-istic? Yeah, that's, I, yeah, I think that's, uh, you know. <laughs> um, anyway, after apparently watching a Trudeau press conference on Air Force One, Trump took to Twitter to attack the Canadian Prime Minister. PM, Ju uh, PM Justin Trudeau of Canada acted so meek and mild during our G7 meetings only to give a news conference after I left saying that US, US tariffs were kind of insulting and that he would not be pushed around, tweeted Trump. Very dishonest and weak. Our tariffs are in response to his 270% on dairy. Let me just say, the tariffs are stupid, no matter who puts them on. It's a tax on your own citizens. Trade deficits mean nothing. Uh, and free trade is the way to go. So whoever's putting the tariffs in, in force, Trump is contributing to it. It's a stupid thing. Uh, and, and Trudeau, it, it's, he's also being stupid by putting retaliatory tariffs. I, I mean, it's, it's just all stupid. I mean that's that's the sum that's the summation of our polit of our, of the state of our politics. Just all stupid, all leaders are just idiots. Government's bad. Yep. So Chief Trump Economic Advisor Larry Kudlow went on CNN State of the Union and called Trudeau, uh, Trudeau's news conference a betrayal, adding he stabbed us in the back. And by the way, uh, uh, Larry Kudlow had a heart attack right after that. Uh, and, uh, he's currently in the hospital. So it was, uh, which it was betrayal. He was just heartbroken. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I wish him all the best. I think he's like one of the sane economic advisors within uh, the, the Trump administration. He's not uh, like a complete, um, you know, protectionist. So Peter, Peter Navarro, a trade advisor for Trump, was even more damning in his comments about Trudeau. Uh, he said there's a special place in hell for any foreign leader that engages in bad faith diplomacy. Uh, so, like Trump. yeah, he, he's referencing Trudeau there. I, I, bet there I, I bet there is a special place in hell for Trudeau, honestly. Yes, it's where it's where it's it's that reporter just grabs him by the cross for the rest of his life. <laughs> uh, yeah. So the whole thing was that uh, you know that there are all these tariffs again. Idiotic. I think we'll just move on. Um, I've, I've, I don't have much to say there. Apart the be the best part was basically just 
um, you know, the the gender empowerment thing. That was pretty great. So um, this is about the North Korea summit. Um, Trump in surprise summit move says he will halt Korea war games. So U.S. President Donald Trump made a stunning concession to North Korean leader Kim Jong-un, who looks like a nuclear bomb, by the way, on Tuesday after halting military exercises, pulling a surprise at a summit that baffled allies, military officials, and lawmakers from his own Republican Party. At a news conference after the historic meeting with Kim in Singapore, Trump announced he would halt what he called very, prov- very provocative and expensive regular military exercises that the United States stages with South Korea. That was sure to rattle close allies South Korea and Japan. Uh, North Korea has long sought an end to the war games. So yeah, you see all the hawks in the government really triggered about this because they want to continue basically aggravating um, you know, aggravating North Korea on the border by, uh, you know, by doing these war games. And then you also see people praising Trump saying, oh, this is um, like an amazing art of the deal, underwater, four-dimensional chess, that kind of thing. Um, and neither. Yeah, exactly. Um, I, I, I can't say I'm too sure whether it's a good move or not because I, I am going to withhold judgment until we know for sure that North Korea is pledging to denuclearize. De- completely if they pledge to denuclearize completely and we withdraw war games yeah and they actually do because they've pledged already like five times but if they actually do it and we withdraw war games then it's a good decision but from then i'm going to withhold judgment um but yeah Yeah. people people are freaking out on both sides of the aisle as per usual and i just think it's stupid so um i said from a libertarian on everything yeah so bubba bill clinton (laughs) norms have changed for what you can do to someone against their will (laughs) from cnn Oh God! Oh Bill! Oh Bill! Yeah, so he's just he's just fudging everything up when it comes to like the sexual harassment stuff. But he says, "I did not um, have sexual relations with that one." Yeah, wait. Let let me. uh, So, former President Bill Clinton suggested that the norms have changed in society for what you can do to someone against their will in response to a question about former Minister to Senator Al Franken's resignation from Congress following sexual harassment allegations. I think the norms have really changed in terms of what you can do to someone against their will and how much you can crowd their space and make them miserable at work, Clinton told PBS NewsHour in an, in an interview that aired Thursday. You, you don't have to physically assault somebody to make them feel, you know, uncomfortable at work or at home or in their other, just walking around. Uh, that, I think, is good. So, yeah, I mean, uh, Clinton being a hypocrite, as usual. Um, does anyone remember Lewinsky? Uh, no? Anyone remember? Okay. Never mind. I mean, could, my, my own view on Lewinsky thing was couldn't he have chosen like a hotter person to sexually assault? Yeah, Lewinsky wasn't even that attractive. Um, <laughs> anyway, uh, here we, we uh, look at the glories of socialism. Is polio re-emerging in Venezuela nearly 30 years after eradication from CNN? Probably. A child has been diagnosed with a common symptom of polio in Venezuela where the infectious viral v- disease has been eradicated since, 18, uh, sorry, since eight, 1989, according to the Pan American Health, Health Organization, a regional apparatus of the World Health Organization. The Western Hemisphere has been certified polio-free since 1994. Well, apparently not. Uh, it, it, in, a, in a statement to CNN, the WHO said an acute flaccid paralysis case is currently being investigated in the state of Delta Amacuro, Venezuela. Acute flaccid paralysis is a sudden onset of weakness in or loss of the ability to move any part of the body of a child less than 15 years of age. Until additional laboratory results are received, polio cannot be confirmed, the WHO said. Oh, but it, it's, it's universal health guys. It's, uh, it's universal health care, so everything will be all right. Yep. And on to our meme segment. So um, 
from the Washington Post. A middle school teacher charged for feeding live puppy to snapping turtle while students watched. I, that, that's some new fetish shit. Yeah. The students watched as the sick puppy was eaten alive by a snapping turtle in a Preston, Idaho junior high classroom in early March. State prosecutors alleged in a Friday filing. I just don't even know what to... I, I don't even know anymore. I, don't, I, don't I mean, know I don't even know how to respond. This is, this is some um, interesting... How fucked up do you think those kids are going to be? Very. And how fucked up do you think that teacher is? She probably has some real issues. I think it's because women are empowered enough, personally. Yeah, probably. Um, so, this is from the next web, and this gave me a good laugh. Uh, John McAfee, if you're familiar with him. Are you, uh, Smith? The libertarian dude? Yes. So, John McAfee announces bid for 2020 presidential election. Cryptocurrency. Uh, oh my god, he's my fucking favorite. Yeah, exactly. Cryptocurrency firebrand John McAfee yesterday announced his intent to run in the 2020 U.S. presidential race. I'm voting. I'm voting for him. I Same. Actually, I won't be old enough, but you will. Um, so yeah, you should vote for him. Uh, filed this under not a chance in hell. McAfee, a British-born U.S. citizen with a checkered past, sought the Libertarian Party candidacy for the 2016 presidential election, but lost to Gary Johnson. Uh, so yeah, he can't be a president. He can't be pre- a president because anyway, because uh, he's born in Britain. But anyway, this time, however, he appears to be ready to sally forth, even if he can't get the Libertarian nomination. So he tweeted, in spite of past refusals, I have decided to run again for POTUS in 2020. If asked again by the Libertarian Party, I will run with them. If not, I will create my own party. I believe this will best serve the crypto community by providing the ultimate campaign platform for us. This is so good. This is so good. This, so this Why is, don't you want to vote for John McAfee? I, I just said I do. Oh, okay. Um, I'm just saying he won't be present because he was born in the UK. I actually disagree with that. I think people should be, if they have citizenship, should be allowed to. Right? Yeah, same. But I'm just saying he can't be. Um, but his platform, his platform is, so he's a cryptocurrency advocate who believes cannabis should be legalized. Yes. Businesses should be allowed to discriminate on the basis of religion. Yes. And the TSA should be shut down. Yes. Yes. This guy is our man. This guy is our man. He's also been implicated in a murder by the government of Belize, which, uh, which he claims is part of a conspiracy to export, extort him. And if the value of his Bitcoin doesn't reach 11, sorry, $1 million by the end of 2020, he says he'll eat his own penis. He'll eat his own what? He'll eat his own penis. I love this man. <laughs> oh, God, this guy is so good. We have to get him on the podcast. Can we actually? Yeah, we can actually. I'm actually going to try to get him. I, okay. I'm not even kidding. Oh, God. Wait, can we ask so him why good. his fucking why his fucking thing is so shit? Oh god! Even he admits that McAfee, McAfee is shit. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so um. By the way, has anyone seen the commercial where he snorts coke off hookers' tits? Yes, I saw that. It's amazing. Um. He's anyway, inspired to be. <laughs> So, from the Huffington Post, uh, gubernatorial candidate airs same-sex kiss for Fox and Friend viewers. Uh, Maryland State Senator Rich Madalino, Democratic, uh, wants two things, to be elected governor of a state and to irritate President Donald Trump. So, like, in the ad, he's, uh, he says, he lists accomplishment, including sponsoring legislation to support Planned, Planned Parenthood and a measure to ban assault weapons, which he says will infuriate the president and his conservative allies. Take that, Trump. Madalino supporters, including several children, chime in after each other. Uh, I, I don't I don't think that you should really weaponize children in campaign ads, but whatever. For the kicker, Madalena turns we to his should husband. weaponize children. I agree. That's our <laughs> new weapon. We're going to fucking catapult them at like 200 miles per hour. 
So uh, for the kicker, Madaleno turns to his husband, Mark Hodge, for a kiss. Like, I don't even get that. He just says, take that Trump. Trump isn't homophobic, to my knowledge. I'm pretty sure he was in favor of gay rights before uh, Hillary Clinton or Obama were. He's a New Yorker. He he did not give a fuck. Exactly. He's just a New York businessman. I don't think he has anything against the gays. And, um, I mean, he has a lot of gay people in his administration. If if he was really anti-gay, I don't think he would have done that. But um, this, this is, again, a pretty good story. From, from RT. State, you want to listen to this, Smith. State-funded feminist porn could be the future of German sex ed. Um, what? Can you repeat that, please? Okay. State-funded feminist porn could be the future of German sex ed. Why? Because social justice. What's feminist porn? You being berated for, for, for sexualizing women by j- j- jacking off? Um, no, apparently it's, uh, it, it's unrealistic body type. Or, sorry, it's, uh, it's fat people, old people, young people, skinny people. That's what it says. There's already fetishes. Exactly. It, it, and so Germany's Social Democratic Party is considering providing state funding for feminist pornography in an effort to tackle racist, sexist, and damaging stereotypes in mainstream porn. They're already... They're, Okay, you know you can look up, like, black as a thing. That's a thing. Like, you can look up black. You can look up Asian. You can look up Latino, whatever. You can look up disabled. You can look up old, young, fat. They're all fetishes already on porn. Like, what's the whole point? And now the state, if you're a German citizen, your tax dollars are going to fund this. I mean, at least they're going to funding porn rather than banning it. Fair. Um, so Twitter CEO Jack Dorsey, this is from Business Insider, uh, Jack Dorsey apologized after promoting Chick-fil-A during Pride Month. Why? Because uh, Chick-fil-A, remember, they're, they're run by Christian conservatives, so that they're, they're a big no-no. Yeah, know, over, the weekend, like... over the weekend, Twitter CEO Jack Dorsey received a flurry of backlash after he tweeted that he ate Chick-fil-A this month, which also happened to be LGBT plus Pride Month. Dorsey posted a photo on Saturday with the caption, Boost at Chick-fil-A, showing he had saved 10% on an order at the fast food chain. Uh, critics immediately pointed out that the Atlanta-based company has a long, contentious relationship with the LGBT plus community. The former CNN anchor Soledad O'Brien tweeted, This is an interesting company to boost during Pride Month, at Jack. Dorsey responded, You're right, completely forgot about their background. So he just cucked immediately instead of saying, uh, I want to eat chicken sandwiches. And by the way, uh, Dave Rubin, who's an absolute savage, and he's gay, by the way, uh, he tweeted out, I- I'm-, I'm a guy who's married to a man who wants to eat chicken, sa- who will eat chicken sandwiches whenever, and he posted a picture from next to Chick-fil-A. So that was pretty, that's pretty great. So this is from Medium. Why pedophilia and pedophiles are not a risk to children. You know what? I'm not, I'm not even going to read this article. Just, oh, God. What is with the new, pe- what is with this new pedophilia apologizing? Yeah, like, me and me and my friend, um, you'll know who he is, uh, the the Brazilian. Um, we, yeah. we a couple months ago, we actually put a bet that that uh, the feminists and everything and everyone would start defending pedophilia soon, and uh, we, we won that bet. Uh, it's it's truly, I, I just don't understand it. It's it's pretty sad actually. So this is actually the best article I've seen in the entire year. The best thing ever. Did I think I sent this to you? So uh, this is from Vox. Dennis Rodman in a MAGA hat crying on CNN Live yeah. from Singapore is a thing that just happened. He also gave a shout-out to Pearl Jones' Eddie Vedder, because why the hell not? <laughs> I love Eddie Vedder. I, I'm, 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 okay, I'm, I'm actually going to see Pearl Jam while I'm in England this summer. That's amazing. Great. I'm, I'm like a huge Eddie Vedder fan. 
So anyway, on Monday night, as President Donald Trump and North Korean dictator Kim Jong-un met behind closed doors for their historic nuclear summit in Singapore, CNN turned to its top North Korea analyst, Dennis Rodman. The former NBA star is a longtime friend of the North Korean leader, and until recently was one of the few people alive to have met both Kim and Trump in person. Sponsoring a t-shirt, uh, sporting a t-shirt promoting a marijuana-related cryptocurrency company called Potcoin, a red Make America Great Again hat, and lip and nose rings, Rodman spoke to CNN live from Singapore. Though he wasn't actually invited to attend the summit, he flew there anyway, anyway on a trip sponsored by Potcoin, the cryptocurrency business. At one point during the interview with CNN's Chris Cuomo, Rodman broke into tears, remembering his first trip to North Korea and how he received death threats when he came back to the U.S. So I watched the interview, and, and Rodman is 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 like bawling, and Cuomo's trying like not to laugh. Like you can see him like smirking and trying not to laugh. It's hilarious. It's the best thing ever. And then he's wearing this MAGA hat, nose ring, pot coin t-shirt. It's the, it's like that sums up some guy. I think his name was like Benji Sarlin. So uh, shout out to shout out to Benji Sarlin. He he uh, he tweeted, "If this doesn't sum up our era, I don't know what it what does." Yeah, this, which I think is a very uh, you know astute observation. So um, yeah, that that'll bring us to the end of today's podcast. Um, quite enjoyable. Um, and yeah, so thanks for tuning in and we'll see you in the next one, which, um, will hopefully be uh, on Friday. If, if I, if, if Smith allows me to, to, to host one solo one, just so I can make fun of Islam, just so I can make fun of Islam. I'll make a very short one where I just take, uh, articles about Islam. Um, I want to be part of that though. Yeah, but you'll, you won't, will you be available on Friday? I might have to make time to be part of the Islam episode. Okay, good. All right, we'll see you then. Uh, so we'll see you on Friday, hopefully. Uh, sorry for the hiatus, but um, yes. Yeah. So uh, uh, check us out on Patreon, SoundCloud, YouTube, Twitter, wherever. Uh, retweet our tweets. Uh, please go to Patreon and donate if you like our uh, content. Thanks very much, uh, and we'll see you in the next one. This is Locke. This is Smith, signing off.